My message today is entitled, How Do You Identify? Um, If you've not heard that question asked of you uh, in the past year, you most certainly will in the future. As I've talked with many of you, I'm often asked to, uh, I've asked before, what do you want me to teach on? What, what, What kind of classes? What kind of studies? What kind of topics? And I'm often asked to teach biblically on how to respond to the challenges facing us today. The things that we face us today are things that we wouldn't have even considered several years ago. And yet, as we're a God's light in the world, we need to be aware of how, not just what we believe, but also how to respond. People want to know on what side of issues do we stand as far as societal norms that seem to be changing almost daily. And how do we stay true to being a follower of Jesus in today's world? First of all, I can tell you that if you attend, just for me, any Bible studies that I lead, um, you'll see a different type of class. Um, was, it's very open and interactive where people can ask questions. And I don't come with a notebook already of questions we're going to ask and, and fill in the blanks for you to fill in because I never know where God's going to lead the study. Just for example, today I won't embarrass this person, but... Someone came into our study today and was really praying for God for an answer on something. And in the course of our discussion, God gave me a verse. I said, let's turn to this verse. And as we read it, and this person said, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear from God. And, and so by the movement of the Holy Spirit, God directs our, our things. Well, when I give a, a sermon on Sunday, I do a lot of preparation for it. And I still, as the Spirit leads, I may share things as well. But I do a lot of believing what God wants us to uh, know. A lot of people, uh, when I asked before, wanted a study on Revelation. That's why we're studying the book of Revelation on Wednesdays night as well. But each Sunday I'm, I'm uh, trying to attune to what God would have us speak. And so there's a lot of issues in the world right now. How many would say amen to that? One of the biggest problems is the amount of confusion facing people today, which I believe has reached epidemic proportions. Would you agree with that? For so many people today, the line between right and wrong is no longer a bold-faced boundary. It's no longer black and white. Rather, it has become gray or fuzzy or debatable or not at all. Very hard to find that light between right or wrong. In fact, many people now believe that truth evolves. And different people have different truths according to their right to believe what truth means to them. On a variety of topics today, there is great confusion all over society as truth has made it onto the endangered species list. I mean, we laugh, but we're all aware of that. Yet notice what Jesus had to say on this topic when he was addressing this challenge in one way. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen? Now, of course, this is one of the most misinterpreted verses in the entire Bible. Why is it misinterpreted? Because people say, if you tell the truth, the truth will set you free. That's not what the Bible says. One of the reasons is people have different truths nowadays. If that were true, then everyone who has a different truth, how would anyone be set free? We can't. 
the context of this verse is your, your truth will not set you free. There is only one truth who will set you free. In context, this verse says that if you abide in the Word, not just if you have a Bible, if you abide in the Word, if you depend on it like your whole life depends on it, if you live it and know it and read it and study it and breathe it and speak it, then you will know the truth. Why? Because His Word is truth. Then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Based on this biblical fact, we know that people are not in the Word and not being set free all over the world. How can we tell? It's because people are so confused over some of the most basic truths in life. If we don't know what truth is, it's because people do not know Jesus is the truth. Since the Word of God is truth, let me begin with some basics. Genesis 1.27 So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. God, our Heavenly Father, has created each of us in His own image. Male and female, God has created us. That seems like one of the most basic truths. For thousands of years, people did not question if they were a male or a female due to obvious physical differences that distinguish boys and girls at birth. They may have questioned how they were tempted to feel towards one another or to whom they were tempted to be attracted to, but people generally didn't question the basic truth that some are created with female body parts and are girls, and some are created with male body parts and are boys. That is how God created us. But suddenly now, hundreds of millions of people all over the world are questioning if they are male or female. They are appealing to temptations and feelings and thoughts and confusion about who they really are instead of how they were created. Not only are young adults and kids questioning if they are actually boys or girls or something else, there are people questioning whether they are even a gender. There are people who believe that their gender is fluid or that it changes every day. They're confused in a temptation with what they believe is truth. There are some who believe they do not have a gender, but it doesn't even stop at genders. There are older adults right now who identify as young female children, which they say gives them a right to pursue their attraction to young boys. And there are adults who are supporting these confused beliefs, putting our children in danger. There are even reports now of kids identifying as animals. They actually believe that they are a cat or a dog trapped in a human body. And since adults in society have told them that they can choose, it's their right to choose whatever gender or whatever they identify with, it's their choice, whatever they feel like from day to day makes their confusion endless. How can so many people today really be that confused over what seems to be basic truths for people for thousands of years? Well, first we need to understand what has caused this confusion. 
so that we can address it in a godly way. This erosion of truth is not simply the result of sinful people. And it is not merely the result of a political party's beliefs or a new social movement. This is a direct attack on the one who is the truth. This is an attack on Jesus and his word. This is an attack originated by Satan. It's so important to see the source of this confusion. Otherwise, we perpetuate the problem by using our negativity or criticism or anger and judgment against others while the enemy just continues to breed confusion unnoticed and unscathed from this division. Ephesians 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, our battle is not against someone who has a different opinion. Our battle is not against a political party. It's not against a social movement or a new concept or a new law. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual hosts of evil, the devil who operates through people to do his bidding. The devil believes that if he can destroy our certainty of truth, and he's doing a pretty good job at it right now, if he can destroy our certainty of truth, then he can prevent people from being free and set free from the truth in the Word, which comes from abiding in the Word and following and knowing Jesus. So if we line these concepts up, it's easy to see that the devil is sowing great confusion in the world right now and no one knows who to believe or what to believe. This is all the work of the devil. We need to stop turning our uncontrolled rage against our political opponents and against the media and against waves of people. The enemy of our souls is causing bondage because he has convinced people that our enemy is each other. He is convincing people even Christians, that our source of power comes from our arguments and our anger and our slandering of others when we feel that we are being oppressed. Yet this is not how Jesus tells us to respond. We are not set free by winning an argument. We are not set free by voting a certain way. It's absolutely your choice and we encourage you to do so. But that's not how we're set free. We're set free by abiding in the Word of God, by humbling ourselves, and by committing to follow Jesus. Jesus did not waste His energy and spend all of His time arguing with the government or protesting officials or saying horrible things about them. And yet I know that some will disagree with me and they'll say, well, wait a minute, what about when Jesus yelled at the city of Jerusalem? What about when he gave his woes to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? Do you remember Jesus' impassioned impassion cry when that happened? Matthew 23. Let me read a couple of these verses to you. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup in the dish, that the outside, outside may then be clean also. Verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside they are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now these are the things that either we have said or we want to say or we've heard being said to people that we disagree with us, especially the government. These are tough words directed at the Pharisees, the rulers of the temple. Doesn't this then give us license to spend our energy chastising the government and anyone we see as hypocrites or liars? Absolutely not. Because we need to understand Jesus' reason for these statements and the attitude of his heart in saying all of this. You see, contrary to popular belief, Jesus was not motivated by anger at this moment. Rather, he was moved by extreme grief and extreme sadness. Let me share with this biblically with you. Luke chapter 19, verse 41 and 42. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you... He saw the city and wept over it. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. You see, as Jesus approached Jerusalem shortly before he would be crucified, he wept over the city. He wept for the people he was coming to save. Verse 43. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children with you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Can you hear the heart of God, our loving Father, speaking through Jesus right now? God put the perfect plan together long ago to come directly to His people to deliver them from sin, to bring healing and hope and purpose. And yet they crucified the very one who was bringing them hope. You see, when Jesus called out to the rulers of the synagogue and the teachers of the law, He wasn't trying to prove to them that they were wrong. Of course they were wrong. He was heartbroken that He came to them to save them, to set them free, but they rejected Him. He was deeply grieving that God the Father's plan all along was, come, was to come to the lost sheep of Israel and to deliver them to His eternal promised land. But they did not receive Him. They were blinded by their own pride and ignorance and envy. Jesus' impassioned plea in His woes to Jerusalem were because they had rejected truth. They had forfeited their salvation. They would not be redeemed for eternity. The, that fact broke Jesus' heart. And so He cried out in extreme pain because of all that they were missing. This is the context for his cries over the city of Jerusalem. Think of how much it grieves a father. Being a father, I know this, as you all do, a father or a mother. But think of how much it grieves a father when his child is lost, 
and is struggling in the world and you want to help them when you, and something comes along and they reject it or deny it and they just continue on being lost. Listen, God's heart is broken when He knows how to help someone who is hurting so bad, but they refuse to respond to His help. If this is the context for Jesus' passionate plea and calling out of the Pharisees, then why do we get it so wrong when attacking the left? or name-calling those with different opinions than we have? Why are we not similarly heartbroken for those who have rejected Jesus, the only one who can actually make peace and set people free? Why are we more motivated to speak negatively against people that we disagree with instead of being heartbroken that they don't know the truth and are literally forfeiting the salvation of Jesus Christ? If we're going to go so far as putting on the name of Christ, when we call ourselves Christians, we put on His name. If we're going to do that and call ourselves Christians, shouldn't we respond like Jesus did? Isn't that what it means to be a follower of Jesus? To do what He did and to respond like He did. Shouldn't we be led by truth and not by anger? Shouldn't we be moved by compassion and not because we're offended? Shouldn't we believe God at His Word that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places? The bottom line is that we should be convicted by this truth, that even Jesus was heartbroken when His enemies rejected Him. He was not offended. He grieved deeply for them. There's a big difference between offense and grief. How would that change your attitude and your response if your emotions were more of heartbreak than offense? And how do we get back to the right frame of reference when coming against the lies and the confusion that's being spread around the world today? Let me draw you to a passage that God gave me when I was praying how to respond to all these societal battles. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 37. Jesus said this. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. You see, the reason why many people flop back and forth from yes to no is because they miss the connecting word that Jesus gives here in understanding how to set boundaries with the truth. Let me explain. Jesus teaches us that your yes should mean yes. And your no should be no. Yet this is more than just a common sense of being true to your word. Notice how the two are connected by the word and between yes and no. You see, in order to say yes to something, you also have to say no to something else. And vice versa, in order to say no to something, you also have to say yes to something else. Too often as Christians, we get offended when someone comes against the truths that we believe that we hold dear to our hearts, that we've been given personally from God through His living Word. And when we come from a base of offense, we spend all of our energy, or the vast majority of it, saying no to someone. Or we spend the bulk of our efforts criticizing someone to defend our position. And yet we do not give equal billing to the truth or what we believe. 
In other words, we give way more negativity than positivity. If God truly wants our yes and our no to be connected, then he wants us to lead with compassion. Then we are missing the boat on how to respond to people if we don't do so. If we're coming against the if people are coming against the truth of Jesus and we're not giving them the truth. Of course, we are to speak the truth in love, the Bible tells us, but we are commanded in scripture to do so. To not be silent, to speak the truth in love. This means that we respond the way that Jesus has responded. It means we say no to positions that are contrary to God's word, but we use our energy and our focus and our boldness to say yes to the truth of God. We don't do this as a means to put someone down. We do this as a way to lift up God as the one who sets people free. Romans 12:21 tells us this clearly. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. For whatever reason, people in the church around the world often spend more time on the defensive instead of going on the offensive. Obviously, the world's beliefs and pursuits are in opposition to the followers of Christ. We already know that. We know that many people live for themselves without an eternal perspective in mind. Many people today live by the popular slogan, YOLO. Y-O-L-O. Who knows what that means? You only live once. Better live it up. Better get as much as I can in this life so I only live once. That's how the world's living. And we wonder why they're, 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 they're so off, off target. We know that their beliefs and their words and their actions are going to continually go in opposite directions of us because they're following the world and we're following Jesus. They go in diametrically opposed directions. Jesus told all of his believers that this would happen and it would continue to get worse. So why are we so surprised? And why are we so angry when something new comes on the scene? Why do we think that the best way to address these differences is to push down the negative with force instead of lifting up the positive and the truth by the boldness of the Holy Spirit? Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Listen, if you are hungering for pride when you are offended, you'll be filled with it, but it won't be from God. If you are hungry and thirsting, however, for God's righteousness, and you begin from a place of humility, being led by compassion, that people are lost and in need of the truth to be set free, that God is faithful to fill you with his righteousness so you can be his light in this world of darkness. Listen, if you come to rescue someone from bondage, you don't begin by beating them over the head and bashing them in with condemnation and telling them how stupid and wrong they are. It's not what you do. You give them a key to their bondage so they can be released and set free. With the understanding of our godly foundation, let me ask you the question that's being asked of everyone today. How do you identify? I'm going to tell you how I identify. Hi. My name is Brad Williams. I identify as a child of God. I am blood-bought child of the Lamb. My preferred pronoun is him 
because in him I live and I move and I have my being. In him I trust, in him I delight, in him I have eternal life. In him I rejoice, hallelujah, in him I shall not be condemned, in him I am blessed. Yes, my identity is in Christ Jesus, my Lord and my Savior, my all in all. Because of him and because I abide in his living and powerful word, world, with word, I have no confusion about who I am. I am who he says I am. Who am I? I'll tell you who I am. His word tells me, and I'm going to agree with his word, his word tells me that God is my father and I am his child, for I am born again of incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and abides forever. I am forgiven of all my sin, the word tells me, and I am washed in his blood. I am a new creation, praise God. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. He chose to live inside of me, praise God. I am delivered from the powers of darkness and translated into his kingdom. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am victorious through Jesus and I am truly set free. I am strong in the Lord, and I am dead to sin. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me and gave himself for me. I am a joint heir with Christ. The word tells me these things. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I am in Christ by his doing. It's not by an accident. It's not because I figured out or I found him. He found me, and he went after me and rescued me and brought me to himself. I am in Christ. I am accepted in the Beloved. I am crucified with Christ. I am complete in Him. I am free from condemnation. I am reconciled to God. I am qualified to share in His inheritance. I am firmly rooted and built up and established in my faith and overflowing with gratitude. I am a fellow saint with the citizens of the household of God. I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. I am the righteousness of God because of what Christ Jesus did for me on that cross. I am called of God. I am chosen. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I am the apple of my Father's eye. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am being changed into His image. I am one in Christ. Hallelujah. And because I am secure in who I am and there's no confusion or no doubt, there are certain things that I can claim according to the Word because I abide in Him. I have, the Bible tells me, I have the mind of Christ. I have obtained an inheritance. I have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. I have everlasting life and will not be condemned. I have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is how I identify. I am who God says I am. And so are you if you abide in his word. Brothers and sisters, we are set free by abiding in his word. But we are set free so that we can share with whom we identify. We share how we identify with Christ. That's what we're called to be. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the power of your word. We thank you, God, that no matter where we are, if we're out, lost, running, that you come after us. 
Lord God, that you go into the darkness to rescue us and bring us to yourself so that you can send us forth with your light and with your power. I pray, God, that we would understand that there would be no confusion, that because we abide in the Word, that you set us free this day. Thank you to bless us as we listen to the words of the song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.